Welcome, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Jesus Christ our Lord. This is Brother Jimmy Fortunato, and you're listening to a sermon from the Pilgrim Baptist Church in Tennessee. For more information about our church, please visit us on the web at pilgrimbaptist.church. This morning in Sunday school, we talked about what the purpose of the church is. And so we're going to continue that discussion. And the first purpose of the church that we uh, parked on for most of the Sunday school hour this morning was that it is to teach doctrine. People should come to church and they should hear doctrine taught. Thank you, sir. And we ran some good verses on that. We, we summed it up by saying that there really is no unity of the saints without doctrine. There has to be some truth that we rally around and that we are taught from. We made the analogy that um, pep talks are, there's a place for pep talks, um, but no student in math is going to be able to pass the exam with just pep talks. No basketball team is going to win a championship if all the coach does is give them pep talks. They're going to get blown out and they're never going to accomplish anything because pep talks have their place, but they have to be taught. They have to be trained on how to perform. And it's no different in church. You can't have a guy come up every Sunday and just give you a pep talk and then you go home. Because at the end of it, we haven't learned anything. So we have to be able to learn doctrine. And then the second thing we looked at, um, which is where we're going to pick back up, what's the purpose of the church? To worship the Lord Jesus Christ. Teach doctrine, worship the Lord Jesus Christ. And we're going to pick it up in Acts chapter 20. So let's turn there. And then get 1 Corinthians 11. Acts 20. And 1 Corinthians chapter 11. Alright, we'll take Acts chapter 20, verse number 7 first. We're going to come back here. We looked at this this morning. We're going to look at this verse again. And upon the first day of the week, when the disciples came together to break bread. Breaking bread is a form of worship. Now, let's get our 1 Corinthians chapter 11. And let's go down. Let's start at verse number 18. For first of all, when ye come together in the church, I hear that there be divisions among you, and I partly believe it. For there must be also heresies among you, that they which are approved may be made manifest among you. When ye come together therefore into one place, this is not to eat the Lord's Supper. For in eating everyone taketh before other his own supper, and one is hungry, and another is drunken. What? Have ye not houses to eat and to drink in? 
Or despise ye the church of God and shame them that have not? What shall I say to you? Shall I praise you for this? I praise you not. For I have received of the Lord that which also I delivered unto you, that the Lord Jesus, the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat, this is my body which is broken for you. This do in remembrance of me. After the same manner also he took the cup. When he had supped, saying, This cup is the New Testament in my blood. This ye do, do ye as oft as ye drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as ye eat this bread and drink this cup, ye do show the Lord's death till he come. Wherefore, whosoever shall eat this bread and drink this cup of the Lord unworthily shall be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. But let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of that bread and drink of that cup. For he that eateth and drinketh unworthily eateth and drinketh damnation to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. Breaking bread, and now the passage that we read, we read here in 1 Corinthians 20, it's an act of worship to remember the sacrifice that Jesus Christ made for us on the cross. And so why should the church come together? To worship. What's one act of worship? Remembering the sacrifice that Jesus Christ made on the cross. And we're going to do that in February. Uh, we're going to do the Lord's Supper. Just a little glimpse ahead of what's coming. But look at... Um, what's the only thing that can make you and I worthy? Jesus Christ. We have no worth outside of Christ. So look at what the Bible says. Wherefore, whosoever shall eat this bread and drink this cup of the Lord unworthily shall be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. Can I do anything to make myself worthy? Can you do anything to make yourself worthy? I didn't do as many sins as I did last week, so I guess I'm worthy now. This week, I can take the Lord's Supper. No matter how you spin it, there's nothing that we can do to present ourselves worthy to the Lord. How are we unworthy? If we're not saved... <laughs> Communion, when we come to remember the Lord's Supper, it's for believers only. Should we examine our lives? Yeah, every day before God. But it's not like we can... I mean, who's telling us that we're all right to take it? God. I mean, you can't... I mean, if you're on good terms with your spouse, they might say, yeah, you did all right this week, honey. But you can't muster up worth and then come to the Lord's Supper and say, Lord, yeah, Lord, that's right. I've, I've, I've examined myself. I think I'm, I'm worthy to... You're not. And I'm not. There's nothing we can do to merit God's worth. Hence, so great a salvation, so great that sacrifice that we're going to remember that. We can't come to it like we've somehow made ourselves worthy. 
He's the one that has the worth. He's given it to us. It's for believers only. You're only unworthy if you're not a believer. The Lord's Supper is for believers. Now watch. For he that eateth and drinketh unworthily. So if you go with the spin that, how'd you do this week, sister? How'd you do this month? You, you, yet you're living for the Lord. How many people you witnessed to? Okay. You didn't fly off the handle? Okay. All right. You're all right to take communion. <laughs> well, but, but you fellows over here, I don't know what you were thinking. You're unworthy. If they take communion in that state, how are they going to eat? If they're saved, how are they going to eat and drink damnation to themselves? I thought there's no condemnation in Christ Jesus. There's nothing we can do. If we're saved, we have, there is no condemnation in us. We are on our way to heaven. This is for unsaved people. You're unsaved. You eateth and drinketh unworthily. You're unsaved. You participate. You're eating and drinking damnation to yourself. You're not discerning the Lord's body. Lord's Supper, it's for believers. That's the stipulation in the Bible. We're not going to get into closed communion, open communion, close communion, these three phases of how we, how people like to create these things to make, I don't know what. But we're going to say that purpose of the church, worship the Lord. Remembering what He did on that cross for us, that sacrifice, remembering that, that is a clear form of worship to our Lord. So let's keep that in mind. And by the way, what's the Lord's body? The church. The Lord's body is the church. 1 Corinthians chapter 10. going to sum up all that I said in this passage, 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse number 16, the Bible says, the cup of blessing which we bless, is it not the communion of the blood of Christ? The bread which we break, is it not the communion of the body of Christ? For we being many are one bread and one body for we are all partakers of that one bread. You know what he's saying? We're not coming individually. Yep, I'm right. You're not right. Yep, I'm right. They're not right. No. We're coming before the Lord and communion. We're coming into union with Him and we're saying, one body, we're coming before you, Lord. No Christian is above any other Christian. Not, not in this. Not in this. Everybody is on equal ground with God. I've trusted Jesus Christ as my Savior. If you've trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior, I am no more saved than you are. You are no more saved than I am. Yeah, but I know somebody who, we all know somebody who, <laughs> but if they've trusted Christ, 
they are saved. We're not going to get into the whole standing versus state and what it means to be saved as opposed to being a Christian, a Christ one, but there is a difference. But as far as salvation is concerned, nobody gets the super spiritual trump card on that. We're all saved equally. We're on equal ground with God. Okay, worship. In the New Testament, there are three sacrifices that we're going to look at. First, let's get Romans 12. Romans 12. It's our body. Romans chapter 12, verse number one. I beseech you therefore, brethren. This is believers, brothers and sisters in Christ. By the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. God says, I've given you a body. I want you to use that body to live for me. I want it to be holy. I want it to be acceptable. And I want it to be sacrificial. And God says, I'm not asking too much of you. That is your reasonable, that is my reasonable service. God is not unreasonable. He is not going to ask us to do something that is too much. He simply lays it out and He says, look, I saved you. Here's what I want you to do. Present your body a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And here's how you can do that. Be not conformed to this world. Guys, girls, young people, Listen up. Everything's in the world. We have to live in the world. It's a world system. We can't take a little spaceship out of here and go hang out with God in the third heaven somewhere. We're here in the world. Present your bodies a living sacrifice that is holy and acceptable unto God. And God says, even though you're in this world, that is reasonable. That's what I expect of you. The world doesn't like holiness. God says, you be holy. You be conformed into my image. Don't be conformed into what the world's image is. But be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. For I say, though the grace given unto me to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think. Anybody struggle with that? Yeah. But to think soberly, that means, look, big deal, you don't drink alcohol, but you're drunk on yourself. <laughs> Because we think higher of ourselves than we ought to. God says, <laughs> wake up, get over your hangover, 
and get sober and get all those thoughts about how great you think you are out of there. But to think soberly according as God hath dealt to every man the measure of faith. See, that's God dealing cards. No, he's dealing out faith and light to every man. And then we have to choose to accept or reject that faith, that light that's been given to us. Sacrifice in the New Testament. Our bodies, living sacrifice to God. It's a form of worshiping our Savior. We present our bodies a living sacrifice. It's a form of worship. Philippians, or boys and girls, the book of the Philippians, depending on how you pronunciate that. But in, the, in Philippians chapter 4, the Bible says in verse number 14, Notwithstanding, you have done, you have well done, that you did communicate with my affliction. Now, ye Philippians, know also that in the beginning of the gospel, when I departed from Macedonia, no church communicated with me as concerning giving and receiving, but ye only. For even in Thessalonica, you sent once and again unto my necessity, not because I desire a gift, but I desire fruit that may abound to your account. But I have all and abound. I am full, having received of Epaphroditus the things which were sent from you, an odor of a sweet smell, a sacrifice, acceptable, well-pleasing to God. But my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. This will be a precursor to the sermon on giving versus tithing. And um, we won't get into that. We'll just say that this is a precursor to that. Second sacrifice we see in the New Testament. Christians sacrifice their bodies, living sacrifice. Christians sacrifice their money and they give to the Lord's work. And we see that in this account here. God will supply all of your needs. Nobody that says, as soon as I make half a million dollars a year, I'll be able to give 5%, 10%, 20%, 30%. Because, as soon as you, because if you don't create the habit now, that habit is not going to miraculously appear when you hit the lottery. <laughs> it isn't. Children at a young age should be taught to present their bodies a living sacrifice. They should be taught to, be, to live a holy life, a life that's acceptable to God. They should be taught to give. A nickel here, a dime there, a quarter here. They get into the habit of giving to God. God don't need your quarter. God's going to supply all your needs. Do you trust Him? 
Do you want to sacrifice your body as holy to Him? And are you going to trust Him to work it out? And do you want to sacrifice to God your money and trust Him to work it out? Uh, we're, not, we're not preaching the trust God sermon, but I'm telling you. And you can tell me, because you've had experience just like I've had experience. Stuff didn't make sense. It didn't measure out as you thought it through. There was too much risk. But what did you do? You just trusted God. And He worked it out. Like He always does. So He says, look, trust me. Sacrifice. Your body is a holy sacrifice. Sacrifice your money and give to the Lord's work. And now we see the third sacrifice we'll talk about as a form of worship to the Lord is in Hebrews chapter 13. This is a tough one. Hebrews chapter 13, let's start at verse number 15. By Him, therefore, let us offer the sacrifice, watch it boys, of praise to God continually, that is, the fruit of our lips giving thanks to His name. Verse 16, but to do good and to communicate, forget not, for with such sacrifices, God is well pleased. Now look at that verse, boys and girls, and adults alike. Let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God continually. That shuts down for me when I'm on the road and somebody ain't going. <laughs> that shuts down for me when I get at the airport and I've got TSA pre-check and somebody's in my way. It just shuts down. I'm not praising God continually. I'm thinking, I got a flight to catch. Never mind, I should have left earlier. I got to get on the plane. Hard stuff. Why blame yourself? Just take it out on God. We don't need to praise Him. <laughs> That's mankind. <laughs> and if you're honest, you have situations the same way I have situations where, you know, don't tell anyone you're a Christian type moments. <laughs> because it's hard to give praise to God continually. But a form of worship is to be able to sacrifice yourself, your body, your money, and the way that you do good works. Praise to God. The fruit of our lips giving thanks to His name. And to do good and to communicate, forget not, for with such sacrifices, God is well pleased. He's well pleased with it. He loves a cheerful giver. He loves someone that presents their body as a holy body in this wicked world. And He loves when His people give praise to His name and do good things. God loves that. That's a way we can worship Him. And we see that in the Bible. There are the three sacrifices in the New Testament. Now, one thought on, on this and we'll move on. Let's get Romans 15. 
Why do we witness? And why do we try to win souls? This is good. I just know I wouldn't know what to say. It's too hard. I don't like confrontation. Well, you argue with your friends, you argue with your family, you argue with your spouse, you argue with your kids. Why not argue with a lost person? <laughs> I tell my wife, well, just treat them like you treat me. <laughs> I mean, right? I mean, you can argue with everybody else. I don't like confrontation. Sure you do. You just don't want to risk losing someone that might be better at arguing than you. Romans chapter 15. Here's why. Here's why we try to witness. Verse number 16. That I should be the minister of Jesus Christ to the Gentiles, ministering the Gospel of God, that the offering up of the Gentiles might be acceptable, being sanctified, by the Holy Ghost, I have therefore whereof I may glory through Jesus Christ and those things which pertain to God. We win souls, verse number 16, that they might be acceptable to God. We win souls so we can present those souls acceptable to God. And worth. God is worthy. He gives them His worth. That's why we should witness. That's why we should try to win souls. That's why we should try to be a minister of Jesus Christ. That the offering up of the Gentiles might be acceptable, being sanctified by the Holy Ghost. All right, three sacrifices in the New Testament. Last note on that you don't, you don't gain anything. On that. You can live right. You can give right. You can praise God. None of that is forced. None of that should be forced. It's all voluntary. It's all voluntary. Now, I did a lot of persuading and arguing and to try to get my wife to take notice of me. But I didn't force her to marry me. Relationships aren't forced. It's voluntary. And these acts of worship to our Lord, they don't get us saved. You can give a quarter every week and you can praise God in church. And if you think that is going to give you worth before God and get you salvation, it isn't. He has the worth. He's given it to us. Our act of gratitude, thankfulness, and worship is that we just voluntarily just desire to want to serve Him. It isn't forced. You can't force these things. And you can't structure a church and try to create something that is going to make people get in line with the things that they should do. There is, it's an impossible task to try to legislate all of this stuff. So why try? Just point people to God.
point people to Jesus Christ. And when you finally, whoa, I got it. Ah, you just fall in love. And when you fall in love with somebody, you just want to love on them and serve them. And if you fall in love with Jesus Christ, you're just going to want to love Him and serve Him. It's not about a preacher. It's not about a church building. It's not about any of that. It's about who are you in love with? And these things are voluntary acts of worship. All right, the third thing, purpose of the church, teach doctrine. We went through that. Second thing, purpose of the church is to worship our Lord Jesus Christ. Second thing, and now the third thing is prayer. Group prayer, Acts chapter 4. Acts chapter 4, verse number 23. And being let go, they went to their own company and reported all that the chief priests and elders had said unto them. And when they heard that, they lifted up their voice to God with one accord and said, Lord, Thou art God, which hast made heaven and earth and the sea and all that is in One voice, one accord, those believers lifting up their voice saying, Lord, Thou art God, coming together as an act of praying and lifting up their voices to God. Acts chapter 12, let's look at another example. I've been in a couple of church services, not many, but a couple of prayer, uh, not church services, prayer meetings where all of a sudden all the guys start praying at one time. New guy. <laughs> this is new for me. You just, you just go with it. You know, it, it doesn't make sense to me. I can't concentrate and think. Um, but They all lifted their voices up. It wasn't all in one accord, but it was different chords at different notes. And they're used to it. There's nothing right or wrong about it. It's just that that's their way of group prayer. Acts chapter 12, verse number 4, the Bible says, And when he had apprehended him, he put him in prison and delivered him to four quartorniums of soldiers to keep him, intending after Easter to bring him forth to the people. Peter, therefore, was kept in prison, But prayer was made without ceasing of the church unto God for him. You got the church praying on the behalf of a situation. And we do that. New Testament churches all across the United States do that. We're lifting up our voices. We're bringing this petition before God. We do that for John. He's going away. What, what's, what are a lot of churches doing? Praying for him. Praying for him. New Testament church has to be involved in prayer. Acts chapter 20.
Acts chapter 20. There's quite a bit here. I wanted to start at verse 7. Let's do verse 17. And from Miletus he sent to Ephesus and called the elders of the church. And when they were come to him, he said unto them, You know, from the first day that I came into Asia, after what manner I have been with you at all seasons, serving the Lord with all humility of mind and with many tears and temptations, which befell me by lying in the weight of the Jews, and how I kept back nothing that was profitable unto you, but have showed you and have taught you publicly and from house to house, testifying both to the Jews and also to the Greeks, repentance toward God and faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ. And now, behold, I go in the Spirit in Jerusalem, not knowing the things that shall befall me there, save that the Holy Ghost witnesseth in every city, saying that bonds and afflictions abide me. But none of these things move me, neither count I my life dear unto myself, so that I might finish my course with joy and the ministry which I have received of the Lord Jesus to testify the gospel of the grace of God. And now, behold, I know that ye all, among whom I have gone preaching the kingdom of God, shall see my face no more. Wherefore, I take you to record this day that I am pure from the blood of all men. For I have not shunned to declare unto you all the counsel of God. That's hard to find nowadays. Someone that's going to give you all that God says. Take heed, therefore, unto yourselves and to all the flock over which the Holy Ghost had made you overseers to feed the church of God, which he hath purchased with his own blood. He bought it. For I know this, that after my departing shall grievous wolves enter in among you, not sparing the flock. Also, of your own selves shall men arise, speaking perverse things to draw away disciples after them. Therefore, watch and remember that by the space of three years I cease not to warn everyone night and day with tears. And now, brethren, I commend you to God and to the word of His grace, which is able to build you up and to give you an inheritance among all them which are sanctified. I have coveted no man's silver or gold or power. Look, fellas, I'm not in this for the money. Verse 34, Yea, ye yourselves know that these hands have ministered unto my necessities and to them that were with me. I have showed you all things. How that so laboring you ought to support the weak and to remember the words of the Lord Jesus. How he said, It is more blessed to give than to receive. And when he had thus spoken, I said, I read all that scripture to just get to this. He kneeled down and prayed with them all. And they all wept sore and fell on Paul's neck and kissed him, sorrowing most of all for the words which he spake, that they should see his face no more. And they accompanied him unto the ship. He kneeled down and he prayed with them all. Sometimes people got to go. Sometimes things are tough. Situations are arising. Sometimes the church just has to kneel down and pray with them all. There's a time and there's a place for that. And we can't forget, New Testament church operates on, it's got to have prayer. It's got to have group prayer. Here's the type of prayer that we're not going to do. 1 Corinthians 14.
these are these are fun fun times. If you're going to pray, <laughs> pray with the Spirit. The Spirit of God, not the one that talks to you and nobody else. <laughs> right? So that you know what that means for prayer? Aim prayers are out. You know what the aim prayer is? You're aiming it at this person. Instead of going to them and talking to them, you're just going to wait until you get called on for prayer. Or you're going to wait until there's a group prayer meeting. And then it's going to be your turn, and you're going to say, "Lord, I just pray for the sister. You know, I'm not going to mention her by name, but you know, she's here in the front row, and you know, she's really, really just been a thorn in the flesh. And Lord, I just pray. Yeah, like nobody knows. <laughs> we have always these things happen. They happen in what? Bless God, I believe the King James Bible. Okay, great. Can we obey this verse? Because <laughs> it really doesn't matter what Bible version you have if you're not going to obey it. <laughs> right? Alright, let's get to the verse. Aiming prayers at people, it's not right. It's not praying with the right spirit. 1 Corinthians 14, verse 15. What is it then? I will pray with the Spirit and I will pray with the understanding also. I will sing with the Spirit and I will sing with the understanding also. If you're going to pray, pray with the Spirit. Pray with some understanding. It should be edifying the saints. You shouldn't use it as a time to aim at somebody because all you do is just make yourself look less spiritual than you think you are. It's not right. What's good about preaching verse by verse like we're doing on 1 Timothy is that it's hard for somebody to accuse you of aiming a sermon at them. And we've all been in churches, if you've been in church any length of time, where legitimately an unsafe person comes in or you invite somebody and, and they say to you, I can't believe the preacher preached on that. That was just what I needed to hear. We've all been in church services like that. That's the Holy Ghost. That's the Holy Spirit. But it's gone the other way too where that preacher was talking about me, wasn't he? No, I mean, he's been going just verse by verse. We just happened to hit on that the day you came. <laughs> and that's just the Holy Spirit. But the flip side of all that is, ah, so-and-so's here. Let me get, yeah, let me aim that at them. That ain't right. That's something different. That's not right. You know, the kid with the leather jacket in the back with, you know, earrings all in his face. You, you don't need to preach on Absalom that Sunday, okay? He knows. <laughs> he knows. We shouldn't aim prayers and we shouldn't aim sermons at people. Last thing on prayer, let's get 1 Timothy and then we will wrap it up. 1 Timothy chapter 2. I want to pray that 
the opposition just leaves us alone. I want to pray that the bad guys leave us alone. I want to pray that the government leaves us alone and just allows us to operate as a church and do what we do. That's a good prayer to pray. 1 Timothy chapter 2, Thou therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. Thou therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of Christ. No man that warreth entangleth himself with the affairs of this life, they may please him who hath chosen him to be a soldier. We're, in a soldier, we're, we're soldiers of Jesus Christ. We're not looking to overthrow the government. We're not looking to overthrow this world. We're fighting the good fight. It's a spiritual battle. It's for the souls of men and women. So our prayer should be, government, please leave us alone. Let us do what we want to do. Society out there, please leave us, leave us alone. Let us be able to do what we want to do. We won't bother you. We're not going to try to change your world. Don't bother us. We just want to have the freedom to be able to talk to you about Jesus Christ. Because that's our fight. That's what we should be praying for. That is how things change. People get saved. Jesus Christ in them. He starts working it out. All right. On that note, let's bow in prayer. Father God, thank you. Thank you for um, making it so easy for us by giving us your word to read. Certainly this life has its difficulties and its trials, but when you lay out your plan in your Bible for us, it, we don't have to figure stuff out. We just have to read it, believe it, trust you. Help us to be a New Testament church that operates with purpose of group prayer, purpose of worshiping you, Lord. We, we certainly are thankful that we can gather here freely and not be opposed and we thank you for that freedom that we have here in America. We ask you to um, help us to apply these things in our lives this week. And we ask your blessing upon it. In Jesus Christ's name, amen. Thanks a bunch for listening. For more information about Pilgrim Baptist Church, be sure to visit us online at pilgrimbaptist.church, where you can also send me a personal message or learn more about joining us for a church service. And remember, Christ is all.